Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We're not in communion with the world in that way. Like, I'm, I need to be a witness to the world, but I can't witness to you when I'm just like you, right? If you're trying to lose weight, would you go to a fat guy? No, right? Why would you, like, I'm trying to get a six-pack, and would you go to a dude with a beer belly and show me, show me how to get a six-pack? You don't look like you can help me, you know? You don't, don't look like you can get me there, you know? So you wouldn't be interested. You wouldn't receive that counsel. That's what it looks like when Christians that are living foul start trying to share the Lord with their non-believing friends. They're looking at your life like, man, shut up. In today's message, Pastor Bill will encourage you to seek out fellow believers who might be a little further in their life and walk with Jesus. The body of Christ is such an incredible community of people that you can learn from. The body of Christ is a complex group of people made up of all ages, races, and life experiences. If you're struggling in the area of your life, it's very likely that another brother or sister in Christ has too. They've come out the other side, and they have wisdom they can share. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 as he continues his message, Set Apart. Right, it's kind of like this. Anybody ever gone out to eat with somebody that was on a strict diet? Anybody? Some of y'all? All right. I've, I've been out with, the, you know, I've, I've had somebody get super spiritual and I'm fasting. Then why did you, why did you plan to go? Why did you say, let's go to lunch then? You should have said, let's, you should have, you should have said, let's go for water, you know? But if you go out and eat with someone that's on a, on an, on an extremely difficult diet, it's, it's like, well, I'm going to lose seals and everything is open. Pork, ribs, you know, chicken, giblets and whatever. I can, whatever the menu has, you got someone over here that's like, I just, do you have anything with just salad? And carrot snippets, you know, like no, don't put the, don't put dressing on it, don't salt it, don't just. I need, I don't need. No, I want the green lettuce, not the, not the room, whatever, you know. Like it, it would be a little difficult. Like I'm, I'm going to smorgasbord. I'm going to eat whatever, and you got all these extra restrictions. How we, we, we can't really do the same stuff together. And so spiritually speaking, when God says, look, as a believer and a non-believer, we're under, as a non-believer, they're just not under the law of God. They don't know God. It's not even their fault. They're, they're lost. But you're under the law of God. You guys don't have anything in common. There is no point of fellowship. There is no there is no point of koinonia. So it's always concerning to me when someone's, you know, someone's like, oh, I'm, I'm walking with the Lord. But all your best friends don't know God. How come? How is it you seem to have so much in common with people that don't love God? If someone's not God's kid, whose kid are they, spiritually speaking? How does a child of God have so much in common with the devil's kids? That should be concerning. Right. There should be. An, and, and then how does a child of God, how do you hang out with them and not be concerned for their spiritual state? Are you being a witness to them? That should be the goal. of I'm going to hang out with you as a non-believer. I want to be a witness to you. I realize that you need something that you don't have yet. And I want to be an example of it. And I want to be a witness to you of it. And I want to share it with you. That's, that would be really loving your friends. Right. Um, I, what I find is this as well, that many times when people first come to God, the, the biggest hindrance in people really moving forward. God, God will speak to a heart, move upon a heart. People will make a decision and they, they mean the decision. They mean the commitment that they make. But the challenge will be that, man, oh, I got all these friends. I got a lifetime of friends and people around me that they, they, they don't, they don't know God like I do. And so they're, they're, they're pulling you back really easy. Um, I gotta say, there are people that told me outright, do I like the old you better? Like, I liked you better drunk, you know, like you were more fun then. 
as though I was their toy or something. Like, you're more fun to play with, you know, when you were drunk and stuff like that. Like, ain't your toy, you know? And if you let those things manage you, you know, there are decisions that have to be made along the way where it's like, hey, I just can't hang out then, you know? I guess we won't have that much in common. I guess we won't be hanging out like we used to hang out. But I can't go back to what I used to be. Um, but it's a challenge. And it's a, those are decisions that people have to make. And um, sometimes it can seem like, you know, it seemed, it seemed, it was very difficult when I first got saved. There were friends and people that I tried to hang out with and I was so weak. I was weak with alcohol. I was weak with other sins that I couldn't hang out with them and do right. So it wasn't even them. It was like, I, if I hang out with them, I'm going to end up drinking. After I drink, there's no telling what else I'm going to end up doing. So I just need to not hang out with them. That was the only way I could walk with God. And so there was a period where God just called me to separate myself. And that was a beneficial season of my life. That season of my life, I grew in God. And God made it very clear that if you're going to keep hanging out with them, you'll never get going. You'll never get footing. You'll never really get moving forward in your relationship with me. And so um, there's a dual thing. In one sense, it's a hindrance to the believer that you really can't get traction because all your non-believing friends that keep pulling you back into old habits, old ways of thinking, old ways of life. And it's really easy to get pulled back. Your flesh is like, you know, I, I do like that. Your flesh, when you get saved, your flesh still likes to sin. Y'all know that? Like you get saved, it's not like your flesh is like, I hate that now. I got saved, my flesh is like, I, I, I don't know what the spirit is saying no, but I'm saying yes. You know, I still, I, I, I'm still down with it. You know, so it's it's a battle. You put yourself in a losing scenario when you keep hanging out with and dwelling around. God calls separation for a reason, right? I want you to myself. Same way you want your husband to yourself or your wife to yourself. God says, Hey, I want you to myself. I don't want to share you with the world. And it has a real, it's having a real impact on you. I thought of this illustration and um, how, how offensive would it be to all the married people, right? You're a married woman, married man. You're a married woman, right? How offensive would it be to you to be married to a man that, that, that obviously was still very tempted by some other woman? Like every time he saw her, he's like, ooh, ooh, I'm with, I'm with you, but oh, like, <laughs> you understand, right? It's just, we had so much fun. Like how, how offended would you women be, right? You would be offended, right? Shoe on the other foot. How many men would be if your wife, every time she saw some other guy, was like, oh, he is so, my goodness. I'd be dreaming about going out with him. But I'm, I'm with you, though. I'm with you. I'm committed to you. Committed to you. I just, I just ooh, you know. Be, you'd be offended. It would bother you. You wouldn't like it. But we do that to the Lord. We're like, God, you have my heart. And your friends call. You're like, mm, I just like to go out with them. And that's the same. Y'all get what I'm saying? That's why God said, I want you to just cut it off. Get rid of them. Cut them off. Like they're getting in our way. We got something special. Our relationship is eternal. You're going to be in heaven with me for all eternity. I died for you. Cut them off. Let them be mad. Let them talk smack. Let them say whatever. I have people. I lost friendships when I got saved. But I gained, what I gained is worth more than everything I lost. I, I, I lost friendships. I lost relationships, but I gained a relationship with the Lord. I gained liberty over sin. I gained so much, but it did cost something. And so when he says, hey, I want you to not be equally, don't be unequally yoked up with non-believers. It's for your benefit. It's also, we'll talk about it in a minute, for their benefit. And it's ultimately for the for God's glory. God's, I deserve all of you. I didn't die for most of you. I died to have all of you to myself. Amen. And so he says next, um, Next question, he says, um, what fellowship, I'm sorry, uh, what communion has light with darkness, right? What communion does the light and the dark have? And the answer is none, right? If you go into a dark room um, and you turn on the light, what happens to the darkness? It's gone. 
If you go into a, a, a light room and turn off all the lights, you get dark. You don't really get the two together, right? You get light or darkness. They don't have communion. You don't get to have both. What about a dimmer? You know, like a little bit of both. You know, a little bit of light is still light. And if you got light, you don't have, you have light or darkness, but you don't get to have both at the same time. They have nothing in common. There's no communion. And so once again, God is showing us that's how sharp the contrast should be to the child of God and to the to those that don't know the Lord. Like, what communion do you have? Like, what basis of real intimacy? None. Just to be a light, just to be a witness to them. But that we don't really have anything else. We don't have communion like that. And, um, you know, one of the things I, I was thinking of, my, my sister and I are, we're a year apart. And we, we grew up very close. You know, we're, we're, much, we're very much alike. We got the same kind of personality with the same kind of sense of humor. Um, and so we grew up enjoying the same stuff. When we were partying, I would always find out where she was going to go to, where her friends would party. And I would go with all my friends so that, you know, nobody could mess with my sister. You know, if somebody bothered her, I'm like, we, we there. You know, we at the club, you know. And we did comedy clubs and all these sort of things. Then I got saved. And one of the things that God did when I first got saved, it was like I knew drinking was off the table. Drinking was a problem. And the Lord was helping me with that. Um, I've always loved comedy, but it was always bad comedy. So I grew up on, I grew up listening and watching since I was a little kid. And I love comedy shows and BET stuff like that. And so when I got saved, God was like, you need to stop that. Um, cause it, it was bad for me. You know, it was bad for my mind. And so I was like, man, I, I, I need to stop that. And I remember all these things we had in common. She was away at school and she came back and, all these things that we used to do together, it's like, man, we, no, I can't go do that. No, I'm not. Oh, it's a comedy club in Santa Monica. We can go to that. No, I don't really want to do that no more. I'm not supposed to be doing that. Mm, I don't really want to go there. I don't want to drink if I go there. And it was like, man, there was, this is my sister. We got, we got blood running. We have that in common that we got the same mom and dad. But all the stuff we used to do was just falling off. And it's just what it was, you know? Um, what communion has light and darkness? None. So once again, if you're here, you're a Christian, you're like, man, I got all these non-believers and we got a gang of stuff in common. Probably because you're doing some stuff you shouldn't be doing as a believer. And you should check that out. You should check out what you're watching. You should check out what you're listening to. You should check out what you consume and all these things. Why do you have so much in common with people that aren't going to heaven? Why do you have so much in common with people that don't love God? They don't know him yet. Here's another problem with that. Um, I grew up as a non-believer. And I grew up, I knew a lot of church people growing up, uh, a lot of church people. And I, I, I say church people are not Christians for a reason. I knew a lot of people that every Sunday went to church because they had to or because they wanted to. I don't know. But they went to church every Sunday. Um, in my experience, most of my teen, that season of my life, I knew people that were involved in church, sang at church, went to church, all these different things. But hanging out with them the rest of the time, they were just like me, except that Sunday they got dressed up and went to church. So I remember what I used to think back then, if I were to be very honest, I thought, why would I get up? Like, it was nothing appealing about it to me. It looked like a waste of time. Like, why would I party Saturday night, struggle to get up Sunday morning, put on clothes that I don't even like to wear and go to a place with a bunch of people and act like I'm doing good when I'm not. And then come back after Sunday. I, I, I saw weed. There were people that when they would finish church and they would come to the weed spot musicians, people from church, they still got church clothes on, coming to get a sack, the after church smoke, you know, whatever. And I'm like, why would I go? Like, why would I, what, what, there's, it was so unattractive to me. And I look back at how I got saved. It was a friend of mine. Uh, one, of the, one of the few people that I knew that got saved had a real turnaround. Uh, my buddy Curtis really turned his life around, really stopped sinning, didn't participate with us in the stuff we were doing anymore. When he came witnessing to me, 
My attitude was different. I felt like I owed him the respect to listen because it was at least a changed life. Um, used to run with girls and that, and he got saved and he was like, I'm going to be with that one. Graduated high school, married her, boom. And I mean, married her straight out of high school. You know, went to the court, got married, moved in with his mom, got jobs and got enough money for apartments. And then guess where they moved? They moved into my apartment upstairs from me in the mess I was living in. But he was able to witness to me because his life was not like my life. Right. At one point, I, we mocked, I mocked him with all my other friends. We were like, man, you know, Kurt, swear, he, this is that another. We said that the girl he was with had whipped him, you know, like, man, he is, I ain't never seen my that whip. You too young to be that whip, you know. And we clowned him and we said all these different things. But, but what was happening was he got saved and she got saved and they were surrendering their lives to the Lord. And he, he put up with our joking and our putting him down. He didn't really fight it or argue it. He just lived it and he lived it. And when he finally did say something, when he finally did speak up, I was all ears. I could hear him. I had other friends that would drink with me and people get drunk and get spiritual. Y'all know people like that. They get they get drunk and they're like, you know, man, I just know God, you know, and I couldn't hear. And I never heard none of that mess. It just seemed like church. It started to feel like that's what church was just fake folks. And so I think it's important, you guys, that we 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 show something different, right, that we are not. We're not in communion with the world in that way. Like I'm, I need to be a witness to the world, but I can't witness to you when I'm just like you. Right. If you're trying to lose weight, would you go to a fat guy? No. Right. Why would you like I'm trying to get a six pack and would you go to a dude with a beer belly and show me to show me how to get a six pack? You don't look like you can help me. You know, you don't, don't look like you can get me there. You know, so you wouldn't be interested. You wouldn't receive that counsel. That's what it looks like when Christians that are living foul start trying to share the Lord with their non-believing friends. They're looking at your life like, man, shut up. You got to be kidding me. What are you telling me? You know, you, you, you have no power to speak into their life, which hinders what God wants to do. God wants you to himself. He also wants you to be a witness for him to them. I, I love my non-believing friends and family. I love them. I, I love them. I care for them. I want badly to see them know the Lord. Best thing I could do is be a witness for them. Be an example. Uh, share with them, but live it in front of them. Uh, worst thing I could do is once so bad to have their friendship that I start laying down my own convictions and my own sense of what I'm called to be and who I'm called to be. Because now I, I lay enough of that down and I look so much like them that why would they ever join me? I look just like them. I behave just like them. So what communion has light and darkness? Absolutely none. Verse 15, what accord has Christ with Bilal, right? That word accord, that's what we speak about. Married couples want to be on one accord, want to be of the same heart, the same mind, moving in the same direction. Um, when you look at a church leadership, a church as a whole, you want to have a church on one accord, all of the same heart and same mind, moving in the same direction. He says, what accord is Christ and Bilal? Bilal is another name for Satan. What accord, what, what do Christ and Satan have in common? Absolutely nothing. There's nothing that, like Satan, that's like Christ. They're, they're, they're not the same. They don't have any accord. They're not, they're not working together on anything. And God says that's what it should look like, right? There should be that level of distinction between you and the world. What, what accord do I have with none? None. I'm a witness to them. There's no accord between Christ and Satan. The next one he says, or what part, what part has a believer with an unbeliever, right? I'm a believer. What part do I have with an unbeliever? Again, there should be none. I don't have a part. Um, we don't have, we don't share anything together, believer and non-believer. We're, we're in two separate categories. One's born again, one's not. One's a child of God, one's a child of the devil. One's going to heaven and one is not going to heaven. We don't have anything in common, but here's the deal. We have a lot that we're supposed to offer. We have a lot that we're supposed to represent to them. But what Paul is telling them here, they, the Corinthians, I believe, 
had, were, were still immersed in the Corinthian culture in such a way that Paul said, you guys, God wants to call you guys out. God wants you to be separation. He doesn't want you unequally yoked up with them in marriage and business. He doesn't want you guys having fellowship or being in one accord, just becoming just like them. How can you be like them and witness to them? You can't. And, and what God's going to say as he finishes here, he's going to call us a separation. But what I want to do is um, before we moved on, I wanted to give some other verses because the Bible has a lot to say about Christians and our fellowship. Right. Who we who we end up in relationship with. And I'm gonna, I'll just say this, this is from my own life. Um, over a lifetime, you gain relationships in different ways. Everybody here has relationships that that you didn't choose um, your family. That's you got people that have lifetime relationships based on just who you were born to. Uh, some of us have long term friendships, people that we grew up with, that we've known for so long. Um, friendships are something that we we choose. Uh, we have some say so in. I don't have a say so in my neighbors, my people that my coworkers, my people that go to school with me or live next to me. But I do have say so with my friends. And so I want to give us these verses. The Bible says just give us insight about um, how we're to make those decisions. Who gets to be my friend? Who gets to be in that intimate space in my life? I can be friendly to everybody. And I can be loving to everybody. But who gets to be my friend? Who, who are the people that get to be in that space? Uh, I want you to write these verses down, have them for yourself later on. Psalm 1-1, the psalmist says in Psalm 1-1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And I want you to go back and listen to that. He says, blessed is the man, that word blessed means, oh, how happy. Oh, how happy is the man who, one, doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. So I'm not taking counsel from people that don't know God. Or I'm not taking counsel from people that know God, but the counsel they're given is not from God because believers give ungodly counsel, too. So um, we're not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. We're not standing in the path with sinners, hanging out with those that don't know him, not sitting in the seat of the scornful. God said that's what the blessed man, the oh, how happy. That's how his life that he he has something to do with who he's not hanging around with. Uh, And it goes on from there. The next verse, write down Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. Uh, Proverbs 12, 26 says the the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked will lead him astray. The righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked will lead him astray. And once again, I choose my friends. Right? Everybody here, whatever, whoever your friends, you've chosen them. I choose you as a friend. I choose you. Says so you should choose your friends carefully for the way of the wicked will lead you astray. Um, it's a reality, you know. Um, I can I can be friendly to everybody, but I do need to be careful about who I choose to have as my friends. Um, Proverbs thirteen twenty says, uh, "He who walks with wise men will himself be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed." He who walks with wise men will himself be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Here's something that I I, I would say this to you know married couples, younger married couples, you know. You want to walk with people that are like that are at least heading in the same direction. And we want to have some people to walk with that are there where we want to be. Right. Uh, one of the things that was really a blessing and benefit to me and Mika when we were early in our marriage is God brought us into a fellowship where there were some married couples that were much further along than we were. And they gave good counsel. Right. Um, I remember my wife getting counsel and coming home and I'm like, what happened to you? And I was like, whatever they told you, you go back and let her tell you some more. Just, that was good counsel. You know, I mean, I was getting counsel. I had I had a guy sit down with me and just, you know, say, hey, man, you're here. too." He saw me at church. And he said, man, you're, you're here. You got a wife. 
So yeah, how many kids you got? So we got two, and we have. B- B- I think she was pregnant with Billy at the time. And he said, how many days a week are you down here? And I was like, oh, I'm here for this. And I was gung-ho. I was like, I was on fire. I'm like, man, I'm here for this study on this day, Bible college on these nights, midweek that night. He said, yeah. He says, well, he, and I remember he said, he says, you could be here so many days learning how to be a man of God that you're never home to be one. And he said, you should go take your schedule to your wife and see what days, you know, she wants back. And, you know, let her have a say in that. And I had never thought of it till he said it, but I went home and did it. And, and she, she had a few days that she wanted back. And, and that was it was good for my marriage. You know, she thought she was being a good Christian wife, just letting me be. But early on, it was like, man, that was great counsel. I'm so glad that he bothered to get in my business and say, hey, it's good what you're trying to do. But go home and that, that man of God you're here learning about. Go home and be him for a few days a week. They, they need him over there, you know, <laughs> so somebody else need to see that fella, you know. So, um, you know, if you walk with wise men, you'll be wise. And so um, I always I discourage, you know, a lot of times when younger couples get married, you know, when you were single, all your friends were probably single. Then you get married. Um, is it a good idea for a young single person to be going out with all, but young single guy, young married guy, I'm sorry. Is it a good idea for him to be going out with all his single friends? An old married guy. Is it a good idea for him to be going out with all his old single friends? No. A young single lady, right? We're going to have girls night. All your girls are single? You stay until at home. You know, you don't need to be out with all the single girls. You know, that, that time is over. You go out with your husband or your, or your wife or whatever. This is not a, it's not, a, it's not a good idea, right? He who walks with wise men will be wise. The companion of fools will be destroyed. Those are just decisions that we have to make in wisdom. Um, to, to walk the right way, to walk with the right people. And it's, it's healthy to find some people that are, that are going in the same direction you're going, but also find some people that are where you want to be. You know, there's some men that I look up to, pastors. Um, there's some men that I look up to them in their marriage. And, you know, I seek them out. You know, I want to I talk to them and I want to receive counsel from them. I'll, I'll bring stuff to them. They can speak into my life and give me wisdom. I don't know it all. Um, but I, I, I love to see someone that's where I want to be. You know, please tell me how you got there. You know, you've been married 50 years. Cause I'm about to hit 20, but I'd like to hit 50. So, you know, tell me how you, how you, how you get to 50, you know, you know, what, what do I have to do to get there? And the good counsel, do I want to take marriage counsel for somebody that, 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 you know, they, they're on, they're, they're failing in marriage number four. No, you know, I, you, you can tell me what not to do. <laughs> you know, you can tell me, you can, you can tell me what not to do, but I don't really want counsel from you. So um, that's Proverbs 13, 20, um, Amos 3, 3, how can two walk together? Lest they be agreed. Um, they can't. Cannot. Can't walk together unless you're in agreement. You know, if uh, if, if Clint and I were going to leave church today and Clint's like, hey, I'm going to go over over here to Snowballs on Slauson. I'm like, well, I'm going over here to, you know, Starbucks down that way. You know, well, can we walk together? No, we got to go separate because if, if one of us going to change directions or we can't walk together. And the same idea, right? If I'm walking with God, right, that's what I'm called to do. I'm walking with God and you're not. We can't walk together. You ain't walking with God. I'm trying to go to church Sunday morning. You're trying to get me to go to whatever. I'm trying to be, you know, I'm trying to do right. And, and you're inviting me to. We can't walk together. And for some people, it's, it's just some Christians feel like, I just seem so mean. How, how, again, while you worried about hurting their feelings, what is that doing to the Lord? Right. Nobody thinks about him. We think about everybody else. I learned a long time ago, I'd rather hurt everybody else's feelings and be right with God and be talked about and people feel some kind of way than to not be right with God and be right with all these people that don't even know him. 
Sometimes we can worry too much about being right with people that they don't even know God. They don't even know right from wrong yet. I can't worry about being right with them. That could be family. That could be friends. It could be related, you know, whatever. You want to be right with God at the end of the day. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of 2 Corinthians is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit calvaryinglewood.org and click on teachings. Otherwise, you can download our mobile app to listen to more messages. Search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. As we looked into the book of 2 Corinthians, has it caused you to think about whether you honor your leaders? It's clear in this book that Paul felt disrespected as a leader, and there were some who did not make it a joy for him to serve in leading them. God calls us to honor and respect the leaders God has put in place. Supporting those that God has positioned over you to shepherd you can bring about a great sense of godly unity. In fact, think about sending an encouraging note or message to those who are in a leading or shepherding position in your life. If you've noticed that this ministry has been a blessing to you, we're glad that we can be a part of that. Would you be praying for a transforming word? As the message goes out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. Pray for open ears, soft hearts, and changed lives. Thanks for your support of a transforming word.